It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. G'day and welcome to The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Thursday, the 15th of September. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you with us. Our guests on today's show... Mark Gardner from Macro Capital and Nathan Somers in Durham from Deep Data Analytics. Welcome to both of you, uh, Mark. It's been an interesting couple of days, hasn't it? Have you adjusted your portfolio at all? Still? Yeah, we've, we've been in a lot, fair bit of cash and uh, NASDAQ short. We've sort of started trimming that down now. We've sort of got a final third left. Um, and sort of been rotating out of, you know, into a, into a couple of sort of non-cyclical businesses just with the inversion of the yield curve being at... Um, Two thirties is a you know uh, lows not seen in this century. I don't believe, um, and I think uh, the two tens is sort of is hovering down towards lows as well. So that that's a pretty reliable precursor for recession. So we're just you know trying to file some uh, you know some non cyclicals into the portfolio and uh, still still remain a little bit cautious at least uh, you know particularly with that inflation number for the. You know, for probably for the next month or so, we'll get through the FOMC and we'll, we might make a few firmer decisions then. Nathan, how are you feeling about it, particularly given that inflation read? Do you feel as though the economic outlook is darker than it was just a couple of days ago? And obviously, Mark, they're talking about where those bond yields are heading. How's that all playing out as far as your investment thesis is concerned? Yeah, we've been, uh, I guess, positioned for a recession since the start of this year. Uh, it was amazing that when the Fed came out and basically told you they were going to hike and they were wrong and they were going to hike till inflation got back into range and the market still ignored it. And uh, so I guess we started around the January, the bear market, and we're still in a bear market. The market is still pricing in too much. Um, you can look at the numbers globally um, in US and even in Europe. Um, you've got double digit growth expectations over the next 12 months uh, when Fitch uh, overnight came out and said, they're expecting Europe to go into recession. So it's going to be tough to live up to that kind of expectations in a recession. So it's going to get um, messy. And I think it's going to get uh, even more messier because expectations are still way too high compared to macro. But, you know, as with anything that throws out opportunities, um, the market ran into the uh, inflation number, which is usually the other way around. You, you usually get it going down and then you get a short covering rally on the news. This time it ran up and obviously it was a, on the other side of the coin and it got smacked. Uh, so I think we're still in a bear market. We're still going to trend lower, uh, but it does open up great opportunities over the next three to six months. All right. Well, let's see if we uh, find any opportunities today in our 10 stocks are the first five. Cochlear, Hub24, Integrated Research, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, Domino's. They are the top five. Just before we do that, stock of the day. Maya, the retailer, out with its full-year result, net profit up 16.5%, topping guidance with full-year sales gaining 12.5%, and it's paying shareholders a 2.5 cent dividend. In fact, posting its best start to a new year since 2006, and the company's saying it's well-placed to capitalise on the year ahead. 
despite the uncertain economic outlook, but it has declined to put a figure uh, on that statement. So, Nathan Meyer, it um, is the perennial sort of struggler in that space, isn't it? So, um, and I also note that, in fact, Solomon Liu from Premier Investments actually recently upped his stake to around 22% in the company. So, how do you look at it? Yeah, this is a, a the classic textbook of retail uh, going wrong. And then they got a pretty decent management change and they've actually done well in a really bad sector. Um, so so it, it is an interesting thematic. Maya was the case study of everything that can ro- go wrong when online businesses come and kill you. Um, and they, that's what happened. Um, but then management went in, cleaned it up. Um, I have to give credit to management where it's due and they've actually done quite well for what it is. Uh, they've done quite well on the uh, online side of things and uh, you know, bringing in brands that are dominated by them. Um, and that's all worked well. Um, it's doing well, but look, it's a tough sector. And the last couple of years, you've been given as much handouts as you're ever going to get. And retail has numbers are substantially boosted by it. And Myers benefited out of that. Um, if you look at the chart over the last five, six years, um, around these levels, that's the peak. Uh, the multiple looks okay because when it gets to these kind of peaks, analysts get overly excited and assume that can they keep pulling out these numbers, which they can't. Uh, so it's running as good as it can be. Um, it's paying around at these prices, it's paying what two and a half, three percent yield. So when you got bond yields where they are, it just doesn't play as a yield story. So you're really buying a growth story. I don't think this is a growth story, so I just don't see why you're going to be there. It's a cyclical. So when the cycle turns, it'll get hit just like everyone else. It's been run well, but it's just in a bad area. And I just don't see the growth, uh, especially in the consumer side of things over the next 12 months. So it's one to avoid. Okay, Mark. Yeah, pretty opportune time for them to report, really. Uh, I think last month's retail sales numbers were a record, 34.6 billion. Um, and it, a lot of that was in those small, you know, department stores. I think was the best, uh, well, the the, mo- the biggest uplift um, in the within that retail sales number. So they, you know, they've de- certainly had tailwinds behind them. Um, it is definitely cyclical, as I said before. We're sort of more looking forward towards, you know, putting adding more non-cyclicals to the portfolio. Um, Look, and I think Premier Investments obviously up their stake in this, uh, and it's you know I think it's got better stats overall, and probably a little bit more diversified as well. Um, so straight away, there's another preference if you you know if you wanted to have exposure to this, uh, there's a better option. Just you know first cab off the rank. Um, my preferences you know would be more you know Super Retail or uh, Nick Scarly probably in this space. Um, despite the fact that you know it was more the larger household items that have been suffering in the retail um, retail numbers of late, the return on equity you can't really argue with um, with something like Nick Scarley and you know they've had, they've added a, a whole heap of stores uh, via the plush acquisition as well. But um, no, it's not really a sector we're, we're looking to be particularly overweight in. Um, that's for sure. And um, but look, credit to them, as, as Nathan said, you know, management have done a pretty good job. Uh, it's their best result um, since sort of 2018. And um, yeah, look, you know, you know, well done to them. But they, you know, you, you can get far better yield, lower PEs and better average return on equity within the space. Um, and I'd probably be slightly underweight this space anyway. So it's probably an avoid for me as well. Yep. Okay, well, that's pretty clear then. Both an avoid for Maya. 
All right, let's get uh, stuck into the stocks as picked by you. Linda, wanting to know about Cochlear. Uh, of course, it is the medical device company that specializes in the uh, cochlear implants that has done so well, particularly internationally. Um, Mark has been effectively trading sideways over the past year or so. Um, but uh, I mean, you look at, you know, particularly the addressable market, I think that, in fact, the World Health Organization just came out to say that there are some 60 million people uh, who experience severe and profound hearing loss, which clearly Cochlear can take advantage of. Yeah, look, fantastic company, absolutely wonderful technology. Um, it has been, it's been very sideways for a while. I think COVID's affected, uh, you haven't been able to go into hospitals. Um, so they sort of slowed down demand a little bit. Uh, they have, they've, I think there's a company out of China that's uh, emerging as potential competition to these guys. Um, so they're kind of losing their monopolistic state, um, you know, which they've, you know, which they've really enjoyed for you know quite a long period of time. Um, yeah, for me, it'd just be a hold for me. Um, there's no real compelling case to be buying it here at the moment. It has been going sideways uh, for quite a while. Uh, fairly, you know, fairly high PE, although it's you know just above sector average, but. I think in the space, something like Sonic uh, or ResMed is probably going to get you better value at the moment. Um, I, I, we quite like Ramsey as well. Obviously, you know, that K, that, with that KKR bid falling through, uh, you know, it's down towards two year lows at the moment. Um, so, you know, and obviously that 88 bid, um, you know, obviously gives it some, you know, certainty in pricing that private equity is going to be, you know, be interested in uh, this style of business. Uh, at a much higher price, so uh, I think overall, and, and look, even Helios, the accounts are really muddled. Um, it's the old primary healthcare, very muddled at the moment because of that ma you know massive rise in the pathology, and then their day hospitals being closed. Um, I think that will probably normalise over the over the next sort of earnings season as well. And it's got it's got a really impressive yield. So um, so yeah, for me, I, I, yeah, it's a hold at best for me at the moment. I think there's better options within the healthcare sector, but um, but yeah, it's certainly you know with that non-cyclical thematic, uh, you know, I think it's um, you know it's a pretty it's a pretty good company overall. So I don't think you need to be selling it here. That's for sure. All right, um, Nathan. So yeah, obviously healthcare seen as a defensive place to be, but is Cochlear one of those stocks you'd pick then? Uh, it's it's a market darling, that's for sure. Um, you got your CSL, which we think is probably the best growth stock in the market. Um, it's very rarely cheap, but you get these cycles every couple of years. You'll get 30, 40 percent pullback in CSL. So even the good ones get hit. Um, I don't think Cochlear and ResMed is as good as CSL. Um, the thing about Cochlear is it's it's one of those things where you think about it and say, okay, there's a certain amount of people who need help and that's going to be playing out for them. But that's not always the case because the, the average cost of getting cochlear done is actually quite expensive. So that cuts out a lot of people out of the market. So it becomes a, a, a to a certain extent, it limits the amount that they can grow. Um, it's not like where CSL will go down and because they sell much lower items. So the, the cost is much less. So in that context, it's not as, um, I suppose, staple uh, healthcare as it is. Our healthcare sector is great. Um, most of, I mean, if you look at comparatively to the US market on a sector by sector basis, healthcare has been the outperformer for about six, seven years. Um, in the last year, that stopped outperforming. 
purely because we're going through that growth to value cycle. So healthcare sectors are valued as a growth sector, so they carry a much higher multiple. So when interest rates go up, uh, multiples come down. So these guys are reaching that uh, problem of lower multiples and lower growth, uh, and that's going to be tough. So you've got to be very selective, and you've got to trade the cycles. So we've been playing healthcare through, obviously, CSL as a defensive, um, but on the valuation side, Ansel and Sonic are relatively well supported, mm-hmm. um, and they're a bit more defensive in, in this kind of recessionary cycle. I think Cochlear and Resmet struggles in this cycle. Multiples are too high. Growth rates are not big enough to support that. So I wouldn't be jumping in. Um, I think you've got to be very careful in the healthcare sector. Not everything is the same. Uh, look, we, one of the other categories that we've been looking at in the healthcare is the imaging diagnostic area where a lot of the stocks have been belted. Um, they're going to probably do well because the multiples have come off dramatically. So again, there are areas that we're looking at, but healthcare at the moment is a bit, uh, bit of a worry because it's a growth sector and the multiples are coming down and the market doesn't quite know where the bottom is. Yep. So is that a hold? It's a hold for me because yep. it's a high quality business but I think it'll struggle. I don't see the upside short term. All right. Okay, let's move on to Hub24, uh, the investment platform. Um, most recent results, fund under administration rising 20% to around 50 uh, billion. Um, uh, but it's a portfolio admin reporting uh, segment that uh, has experienced a fall, in fact. Um, Nathan, so what's your reading, I guess, particularly in a you know, volatile invest- investing environment? Yeah, look, we've been worried about the diversified financials, uh, mostly financials, actually, all parts of financials, banks, property, and now with the market risk uh, in the diversified financials. Hub is a a great player um, in that sector. Um, I think out of all the competitors, probably Hub and NetWealth are probably the best two. Um, Hub customer service is one of the best, even within the industry, they think their Hub's doing so well. Uh, but it's priced for that. There's no, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked by what they do. Um, but it's one of those things where the competition is rising. Uh, they had the advantage of banks running really bad, uh, archaic uh, offering, and these guys all came in and took over the market share. Now everyone's trying to fight back. Uh, higher competitions means lower margins. It's biting up still the best. Um, but I think it's, you're seeing where it's priced, I think it's probably well. Um, I think it's probably, again, one of those things where you go, it's the best in the street. Uh, if you want to get this kind of uh, platform players in the Defin, um, Hub is one of the better ones. So I think it holds up well. It's a hold. Again, because it's a, a growth play, it's in Defin, the macro risk is there. I think it struggles in the short to medium term to go a lot higher. I don't see multiple expansion in this sector. I don't see too much consolidation left, there's a fair amount already has happened. So the upside is limited. So um, if you're a holder, I'm happy to hold. It's a really well-run business, management is great, but I think the upside is capped, so it's, it's still a hold. Okay, Mark, do you agree, limited upside? Uh, look, I really like this business as well. You know, these guys in net wealth, we agree with Nathan, they're you know, the two quality players in the space. Um, They've had you know record inflows about sort of 12, nearly twelve billion, um, and you know their NPAT was up fifty percent. I, I think yeah, it it is price. It's, it's extraordinarily high PE uh, there, so they're expected to go quite well. Um, for me, if you've got it, I would be holding it. Um, I I think it's one of those 
sort of, uh, I guess, favoured tech businesses where I'll probably be, you know, be higher up on the list for, you know, topping up if it dips. Um, I'd be more a buyer, you know, around where it bottomed out, uh, sort of June, July there, around 18 um, for new money. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's it's well run. Um, you know, the the spaces had. Um, Great expansion, um, and you know they seem to be ticking all the ticking all the right boxes. Uh, so yeah, I, I, and the analyst ratings are you know well above thirty, uh, but I just think you know with the PE in the triple digits, it's really going to um, you know it's going to be very sort of prone to those big down moves, uh, you know, in the Nasdaq or or if we start you know. For instance, we get another higher than expected inflation number next month. Well, you know, growth stocks will be, you know, very, very hurt. So I'd be, I'd try to be patient on this one and maybe buy dips, um, you know, when, when they appear. But if you're holding it already, um, look, I, I think you can continue to hold it. But, uh, and then, but maybe with a view to topping up um, mm. in the high teens, there may be somewhere. Okay, that's agreement on Hub24, a hold. Moving on to integrated research, uh, Henry wanting to know about this. It is a global provider of is performance management and analytics in the communication space. And in fact, Mark, what it recently announced, uh, some integration there with Zoom. Mm. Um, so, uh, but looking at the, the performance of the share price, it's a pretty ugly chart actually. Yeah, these guys were hurt pretty hard by uh, COVID. I think they had a lot of on-site stuff. Um, and that period as well made a lot of companies look at, I think they were charging a fairly decent sort of margin for their services. And um, COVID really forced companies to review a lot of these, uh, you know, the services that these guys provide. Um, you know, internet security is a burgeoning, you know, sector. Um, you know, there's shortages of staff, which is potentially gonna push up wages um, in the space as well. Um, it, yeah, it's it is it is quite low. I'd I'd like to see you know another round of reporting probably with these guys. Um, I'm I'm happy to give away the first sort of twenty percent. You know, to see some upward momentum in this thing overall because it's you know obviously you've seen it back in 2020. It got up to around that 480 mark. So where you know there's plenty of space for you to be able to be patient. I don't think there's any great urgency to be jumping into this. Um, and I think they, they do need to possibly, you know, restructure the, the business model a little bit. Um, you know, obviously a good step of that was obviously integration with Zoom. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a watch list for me at the moment. And um, yeah, we'd probably want to see those, you know, I want to see those accounts maybe you know, next, you know, next February, March and, uh, and go from there. All right, Nathan, uh, have you agreed you got to see something change significantly in the business to see a turnaround? This is a very interesting business because it's analytics uh, on the back end. So they can redo themselves and restructure themselves into a different platform. Now, the, the massive run up pre-pandemic and just after pandemic, uh, because they were doing analytics or they were managing the data about pretty much all the ATMs. Uh, and everyone was taking it. There's so much retail, stimulus everywhere, um, growth potential. It, it was just, you know, all the winds were behind their sales and they were flying. Now, obviously, now we've got the growth in uh, non-touch payment. And uh, that's pretty much, you know, you don't see that much ATM at all. So that's, you've seen the dynamics of all of those areas have completely shrunk. And you've seen the share price then come back hard on the back of that. Um, it reminds me of the old, uh, um, I suppose, the uh, 
pamphlet delivery businesses that became data analytics businesses. Um, it is going to be a changing environment in this one. This is an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on this. Uh, management will have to re, Mark's right, they will have to repackage themselves into a different industry. I think at the moment they're trying to work out different, you know, it always worries me when people go for bingo words. Right now, everyone's on Zoom, everyone's on um, you know, Google Meeting or whatever. Uh, and when you jump into that area to do analytics, it always worries me because you're chasing the bingo word. But in saying that, they have to restructure. They have to rebuild their business model in different areas. And that's why I'm keeping an eye on it. They've got pretty good history of execution, but when the market, yeah, so I suppose the macro is against them, they're gonna struggle. So short term, I'm not jumping in. But this is one I'm going to keep an eye on. It's on my shopping list because once they get traction in a few areas, mm. they will see dramatic improvement. So it's one to keep an eye on. Okay, so you're watching as well. I reckon you guys have been swapping notes before the show because you're agreeing <laughs> on absolutely everything so far. Let's see if we get some difference of opinion with Fisher and Piker. We're back in the healthcare space. Larry wanted to know about this. Nathan, of course, it is the respiratory medical device manufacturer. Increasing competition in that sector. How do you see this one? Yeah, so this is like, you're, you're basically buying the poor man's uh, resume, uh, but it's not that poor. Fisher uh, & Michael Healthcare has been a really good performing store. Uh, a lot of people have done really well in it. Um, and it's one of those things that you need to s separate yourself from uh, falling in love with the stock and what their stock is actually doing. They are in a downgrade cycle. There is competition. Uh, they are not doing as well. Uh, and they are trying to address these issues. It's going to take time. Um, it's not a, a time to pick a bottom in a stock. Um, I always say, when a stock goes into an upgrade cycle for multiple years, the first downgrade, you get out. Because the risk is, it brings more downgrades. And that's where Fisher & Paykel is. Um, and I think they're going to go through some uh, pain before the cycle turns. And you don't need to be there to go through the pain. So again, really well-run business. It's one of those parts of the cycle where we are, uh, when no matter how good you are, when competition comes, things go against you, and that's going against them. I'm not a fan of ResMed here. I'm not a fan of Fisher and Parkel here, uh, Parkel Healthcare here. I think you've got to be patient. You've got to be selective in this market, and it doesn't stack up on me. So if you're there, I'd probably take the money and go somewhere else. I'd sell out. All right, interesting. A sell, Mark. Yeah, this is, to Mather's point, I, I did fall in love with this one about two-thirds of the way down, um, and you know, basically... Them and ResMed, when Philips, uh, which there's only really three competitors in that respiratory uh, sector um, or subsector there, that um, Philips had the recall. Yeah, recall, and yeah. that sort of that lured me in, um, and it hasn't been much fun since that point. And then obviously since then they've downgraded. Um, you know, for our more active clients, uh, we we're certainly out for uh, you know for longer term holders. It's a you know it is a quality business, but um, but yeah, to Mason's point, I. Pretty much fell exactly, you know, into that trap just on, you know, on its track record, etc. Um, I'm very much wait and see now, it, you know, I, until we start to see improvement in their accounts. They're not great at reporting either. It's, you know, it's large. You know, there's, there's not an infographic inside. It's pretty dense. Uh, I think they had a massive supply chain issues on top of all of, of, of all that as well. They do have a new factory in Mexico uh, opening in the next year. Which is going to, you know, largely solve a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those supply chain problems as well, which may increase their margins a touch. Um, but yeah, look, there's definitely better places to have your money in the, in the healthcare sector at the moment. 
um, because they've you know and you know they've had two fairly um, you know solid downgrades um, and you know they're not uh, they don't necessarily report with with much optimism generally they're very you know very straight down the line and factual there's no spin and um, when it's bad news it, uh, there's no other way to take it really so uh, so yeah, I I believe in the business long term, um, and I think the uh, you know they they have had a, pro- a few problems that have helped the helped the share price fall, which will be resolved in the next six to twelve months. But you probably wait for you know another another earnings report. So yeah, I'm probably I, I'm a hold for long term, um, but. You know, begrudgingly, obviously. Begr- yeah, look, I've just worn some pain on this one. Right. No, sometimes you get it wrong, you know. But yep. uh, but yeah, look, and and you know, when you've got stuff like Sonic and CSL, mm. obviously, I think CSL will report very well as they start to integrate Vifor next year. Um, it's one of our staple holdings. I, I almost, I don't think I mentioned it before, but it's just more so that it's just a, a presumed holding for, yep. for most of our most of our clients. So, yep. but Sonic's at the moment's you know an attractive PE, great return on equity as well. So, um, you know that's probably where you know the, there's better opportunities out there. So, yep. okay, all right, that's Fisher and Vital Healthcare. Moving on, let's grab a pizza for lunch. It is Domino's and. Um, it is Phil wanting to know about this um, recent uh, well network sales. They're increasing by about four and a half percent, but EBIT dropping more than ten percent. Uh, NPAT also down twelve and a half percent. Mark, interestingly, it has entered into agreements to buy Domino's Pizza in Malaysia, Singapore, and Cambodia. So buying those existing stores. Mm. So where do you see its growth then, given particularly also it's suffered during uh, COVID and its share price, what, it's down 60% over the past year? Yeah, look, it's a very well-run business. They've got great technology. So I think acquisition for them is, um, you know, with, their, um, with their, the processes they have in place, and the technology they have in place is, you know, is a natural uh, thing to do. I think they've even got, you know, existing storeholders opening um, you know, opening another store close by, uh, which improves their, um, you know, their delivery capabilities um, and etc. So, they've got a really high return, you know, for uh, per square meter uh, for their premises. Um, obviously, you know, food inflation was something I was a little bit worried about with this one, and they actually reported, you know, their their margins were were okay, like they were better than what I probably expected. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I think I, I, I'm pretty positive on this. I think it's come back a long way. I think the expansion and you know just it's very plug and play. I think their business model overall. Um, so I'm, I'm, look, and PE is at a fairly low level um, from a historical basis. I think it got up to you know where, at those highs it was somewhere around the 80 mark, but we're back mm. around the 30 mark at the moment. Um, its return on equity is really consistent, 40 odd percent. So I, I'm I'm pretty happy to buy this one. Um, I think uh, if things go well and they can control control their costs, which they are pretty pretty decent in doing, then I think this one will probably start to head back up again. All right, Nathan, do you agree? Oh, look, uh, Domino's is a phenomenally well-run business. Management is amazing. Um, it is not a tech stock. Let's start with that. It's it's a pizza delivery shop. Um, they do. Oh come on, they're making they, widgets. They happen to be pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they, they, uh, I mean, just because you've got an online product with uh, where you get to choose what you want to get, and I use it a quite a bit, <laughs> it's, it doesn't mean you're a tech company. Uh, I, I love the fact that you can get cameras and sensors to tell you how the pizza is and all that. Um, look, at the end of the day, uh, we're going into a recession cycle on a global basis. These guys have great operational uh, processes. They can roll that out into a different region. I mean, when they bought Japan, I thought, what kind of people are going to sell pizza into Japan? And they did. <laughs> and look, they get a few things wrong, but they are very good at learning and adapting. And if it's too hard, they leave. And I think they'll do really well in Asia. I think the economies will struggle. And when you have a recessionary problem, guess what? You end up buying more pizza because that's the cheapest way to have a party together. So pizza will do well. I think Domino's will do well. I think long-term growth story will do quite well. The question is, what are you willing to pay for it? That's that's the question. Uh, you back this management to do well. Um, it, people got too excited. Um, it went insane when it ran up. Um, it was basically trading better than tech stocks. I mean, it was like Microsoft. Um, so that was insane. Now we're back to normal territory. I think it's good. I think it's solid. I think, yes, food prices are, um, you know, input costs are going to hurt them, but they've put up prices. They've changed the way they do the modeling. So when you order pizza on Domino's now, it used to be that you got a lot of freebie additions that you can add to your pizza. I know because I order too much. Um, <laughs> but now they changed it so that you actually have to pay a lot more. And it, it's a bit like um, Chemist Warehouse when you walk in to buy something and you bombard it with other a crap to buy and you end up buying things that you don't want. In this one, as you pay through for the pizza, they keep throwing things at you. And I'm sure most of us are so healthy that we'll end up picking other pieces on the, on the side and you end up paying more than what you plan to. So I think it's a good model. The model is evolving. They're very good at expanding to different regions and understanding the region. So I think they'll do well. Um, look, this is one, it's one of those ones where if you're buying a growth stock in this market, it is high risk. Mm. And as much as this is a big cap, it is high risk, but I think it's worth the risk. And management is worth taking the risk on. I would buy Domino's here. I think it's it's a good buy. I think it's a defensive buy for a tech, yep. which is not easily said. So I think it's a buy. Okay. You're buying the product and the stock. I like it. But Nathan, you've got to stop looking at that drinks fridge behind the cashier, right? <laughs> Just to the pizzas. All right, let's uh, summarize where we've been for the first uh, five stocks, plus our stock of the day, which was Meyer on its results. It is at, uh, it's a tricky space in retail and it's an avoid from both. Uh, Cochlear, a hold from both uh, in the healthcare space. Hub24, also a hold from both. Uh, integrated Research, um, both Mark and Nathan are watching it to see where it goes from here. Um, looking perhaps to needs to restructure. Uh, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, a sell from Nathan, a hold from Mark, and Domino's there. It is a double buy, so that's one for the investment committee to consider. Speaking of which, uh, well, the call is tracking uh, where our own high conviction fund is picked by our investment committee. The latest uh, episode there is live here to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in, see how it's performing. Uh, into September, we've got Universal Store, NextDC, the Lottery Corp, ResMed and Oz Minerals. They were removed. And Karun Energy, Boss Resources, Washington HSL, Pats, Premier Investments and South32 were added. So in terms of performance, the fund is up 3.2% on a cumulative return basis since its inception at the beginning of March. So keep sending your requests in. Keep the call switched on to see what the committee will be looking at next.
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, so the next five we're going to take a look at Westpac, NRW Holdings, GPT Group, Alligator Energy and carsales.com. So let's start with one of the big banks, Westpac. Albert wanting to know about this. And um, Nathan, uh, just looking at Goldman Sachs, um, look, it's saying, look, it has lagged its peers, underperformed the benchmark for 2022, um, saying it's embarked on a turnaround with its cost targeting initiatives. Um, and it's saying it now is the most, it offers the most upside of the banks, of all the banks over the next 12 months. So do you agree with that? No. Nah. <laughs> right. You're, you're trying to pick what's the, uh, you know, the best house in a crappy street. Um, it's not a place to be in this cycle. Uh, the banks on a relative, on a multiple basis compared to its history and compared to the market are relatively high. Um, it's been priced up uh, because People chase the yield in, in a, a low interest rate environment. That's changed. Now you've got high interest rate environment. They've uh, divested all the assets, uh, non-core assets. So they're pretty much one trick pony. Um, they basically play the mortgage market. Um, so mortgage rates are going up. Uh, pressure is going to build. Uh, property prices will underperform. Um, I don't think property prices are going to underperform dramatically. I, I know it's easy to, you know, it's great to say on media, it's going to be down 40% it doesn't actually fall 40% because people just don't sell. So if you go back and it, all the property analysis always starts around 2000 because they want to ignore what happened in the 90s. So if you actually go back and look at the data in the 90s, you know, if you, when you put in the cost of borrowing and there was some big cost of borrowing, if you put that in, normally property prices fall 10 to 15% at worst um, per annum, but they can do that for a number of years. And so the accumulative damage to the property market can be dramatic. Uh, it just doesn't happen in one year. So I think we're in that cycle where property prices have gone way past what wages can keep up and inflation is going to remain relatively high. Pretty much everyone around the world will tell you that inflation, the best hope is in two to three years, inflation stops growing. That means prices are not going to come back. Prices are going to remain where they are. They just won't grow any further. So in that context, high cost of living is going to start biting into consumer spending, that'll bite into what they can pay for mortgage, and that means property prices will come down. And these guys, all they do is do property. Um, I'm sure they're going to talk a lot about tech uh, because that's what they always do when it's a down cycle. Uh, all the banks talk about we're doing more tech. And the other thing that they'll talk about is um, cost cutting, uh, which is exactly what they do. Mm. Um, and that's what they talk about. And so I don't think there's going to be a big cycle. You're buying banks for yield in an environment where um, bond yields are rising. So on a competitive basis, banks are going to struggle. Westpac is not even the best one. So why are you there? So it's a sell. Interesting. All right. Mark, your take. You're not going to get any disagreement from me there <laughs> at all. Um, I like Nathan's comment that it, uh, yeah, it's like choosing the best house in a crappy street. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of clients um, with legacy holdings in the big four banks. Um, I try desperately to pry them out of their hands. 
Um, Macquarie, by far, you know, it's, um, within the MISCI index, well, financials has been number one for a very long time on a return on equity basis. Um, that is definitely my preference. Uh, the big fours just had any, anything they had any sort of marginal fat in overall um, has been eaten away by a lot of fintechs. Traditionally, these guys don't. They, they respond with brute force and throw a lot of money at tech and, and not necessarily a great idea. It just um, I think more, probably more to justify their salaries at a board level, to be honest, um, just to show they're doing something. But they're just a building society, really. Um, I, you know, I, I think West, uh, ANZ out of them at the moment is probably... You know, my my pick if I'm absolute if I've got a gun to my head. Um, <laughs> right. But look, it's yeah. I generally I'd just be you know very happy to buy dips in you know in Macquarie. They're, uh, they'll be reporting fairly soon, um, and you know they they tend to uh, you know they tend to always deliver um, and and you know and under promise as well. Whereas these guys sort of scramble around for excuses as to mm. to hold on to shareholders. Um, I mean, return on equities, oh, 7%. Like, I mean, Macquarie's 20. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's relatively cheap at the moment. I mean, you, Macquarie's actually a lesser PE than Westpac. So, you know, it's just a no-brainer for me. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it, okay. uh, it's a definite sell. Yep. All right. Uh, well, that's pretty plain then. Uh, both avoiding that with a big sell on Westpac. All right, let's move on to NRW Holdings. Roger wanting to know about this. It is a construction and mining contract, uh, or in fact, it's civil mining and mineral technologies, uh, has been hit by pandemic restrictions. Um, but uh, market's saying it's got a sort of pipeline of opportunities there at around $19.5 billion order book, increasing to $4 billion. So what's the way forward for NRW? Yeah, this is one that I, I sort of blinked, looked away and, and, and missed this rally that's just, you know, that's happened um, so over the last month or so, really. Um, I, I must have accidentally deleted an alert or something because I was very happy to sort of buy it on stop with momentum through $2. Uh, and look, it's, it's very rapidly sort of headed up. So particularly on that earnings report, um, they obviously had, you know, COVID... Um, you know, COVID lockdowns, which really affected the business there. Um, I still think wage pressures may sort of potentially hurt this business a little bit in their margins. Um, their net margins only really around that sort of 4% mark. Uh, but obviously, they do have a nice backlog at the moment. Um, but I, I think uh, I would probably rather own who they service rather than the person servicing them. Um, it's just... Why, you know, why, why necessarily take the risk? Um, you know, so they, they obviously service, you know, the, um, that mining sector quite a lot. Or, um, and, and well, it has, particularly in the current commodity cycle, and we say yeah. obviously better to invest in the picks and shovels rather well, than well, those actually yeah. doing the mining. But I mean, you know, we've got something like Fortescue. I mean, it's not necessarily particularly cheap at the moment, but it's yeah. the low cost, lowest cost producer. Um, but yeah, look, I, I I feel like I've missed the boat here now. I, I don't think I could buy it up here. I I I've missed my you know missed the opportunity possibly you know, obviously to buy it you know through with momentum through that sort of two dollar region. I'd probably be you know having a look at it if it if it got back down there. So uh, if you've got it, I'd be holding it for now. Yep. Um, or maybe even sort of slightly trimming some profits because it is sort of towards um, you know towards sort of twelve or eighteen month highs. Um, 
but yeah, I, and, it, and it is around about where analyst consensus price target is at the moment. But okay. uh, yeah, it's a, it's yeah a little bit too high for my likings at the moment. So. All right, Nathan. Yeah, mining service is an interesting sector. Um, it started to move about three months ago because the major uh, global miners, their CapEx forecast all started to grow for the first time after a couple of years. So we are starting to see miners actually uh, blowing stuff up, uh, punching a hole and doing those things. So mining services tend to get uh, a decent business out of it. So everyone's winning contracts. Um, so you're gonna get a lot of information flow coming through contract win, contract win. Uh, NWH is pretty good at this. The problem is their margins are so tiny. Um, these are, if you remember back in 2014, 15, the peak in the commodity cycle, I always hated when people use that word commodity super cycle, because whenever they use it, that's the top of the cycle and everything falls. And uh, in 14, 15, we had the commodity super cycle. And uh, I remember the heading, what was it? Truck, truck drivers earning $200,000. Um, at that point, mining services were doing massive margins. So, you know, you can, you can do it like a drunken sailor um, because you had some massive margin. You do not have that anymore. So the sector is dramatically changed. Margins are much lower. So any kind of cost increase, you've got less buffer to play with. So you've got wages cost, input cost, energy cost. These guys sign contracts. Most of them sign contracts where they take the risk if costs go up. Guess what? Costs are going up. So it's a really tough uh, place to be. You want the discount. So you've got to look for things that are on a discount, but I like the sector because as Mark said, most people don't want to look at it because it's ugly. It's run, you know, had its peak. Now it's at the mercy of the miners and it's tough to play. But when people throw the baby out with the bathwater, you get opportunities. NWH has probably had its run. One I would look at a bigger player is Seven Group uh, because it's got holdings in number of different ponies. And some of them are pretty sick ponies, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. all of those offer you different runs. So you've got borough play, you've got a beach play, uh, you've got media play, all of that included in that seven group while it's a mining services play. So yeah. I would look at my seven group because that gives you a multi-pony play and it's probably going to do a better than most mining stock. Yeah, well, that's Kerry Stokes, isn't it? He can't help himself coming from the West. Got to be one foot in the mining camp at the same time. All right, so um, that was that a, a hold or a sell? Uh, for NWH, I'd probably hold because the right. macro is very positive. Okay. But it's had a good run. All right, okay, let's move on to GPT Group, uh, General Property Trust. It is in the REITs. Um, and what, office, industrial, retail, some funds management there. Nathan, what are your thoughts? Uh, really well-run business, uh, but it benefited from the macro. Uh, I don't think uh, they can do too much uh, against the tide. When the tide is with you, they kill it. When it goes against it, they go down. And they ran up on the stimulus, they're going down on the stimulus. So um, when you've got interest rates going up, property trust, struggle, the yield thematic that you're buying for is not as good, and they're on the slide. Um, everyone, uh, every man and his dog wanted industrial property exposure, uh, and that became uh, too overpriced, and now it's all unwinding. So I think you've got to be careful where you are in the macro cycle. When rates are going up, property trusts are not the place to be. We've been out of it for a number of years, and we are looking at it interestingly, but they're not cheap enough yet. I think there's more downside risk into property trust. Um, I mean, if you go into the average shopping center, you can go and talk to uh, most of the shops. You'll see a number of shops are closed. 
number of shops have not paid rent or utility for a good part of a year. All of these have to be playing catch up. So I think there's downgrade cycles coming in industrial property. Um, the high end will hold up better, but I think it's going to be tough. Um, so I'm not getting into that sector. Mm. And GPD is good, but I think you've got better places to be in this market. All right. It's a no. Mark. Yeah, I, I agree with Nathan in terms of uh, it is a well-run business. While their gross margins sort of sector average, their net margins, you know, is about sort of 20 or 30% higher. Um, oh, sorry, roughly about uh, 26% higher. Um, look, in the REIT sector at the moment, we're only touching industrial uh, and pure play industrial, really. Um, CLW, which is the charter whole long whale REIT, if you want to have some retail um, and residential exposure, is probably a better option than uh, than this one at the moment. But look, CIP is probably our favourite, um, and then you know Goodman Group sort of, I would say, is fairly best in class, but probably most vulnerable to uh, you know economic cycle because it obviously does a lot of development as well. Um, but that industrial space, I think that that part, that subsector of the REIT sector has been thrown out um, with the rest of the REIT sector. And, the, you know, there is a massive shortage of uh, industrial real estate over the next five years. Rents are expected to increase, you know, annually 10% a year um, for the next five years as well. Um, most of the, uh, you know, particularly for CIP, most of their... Um, of their uh, leases are indexed to inflation. I think you know, north of well north of fifty percent, ninety nine percent occupancy rates. There's a demand for three million square meters of um, of, of industrial real estate uh, predicted over the next sort of four, uh, three four years, and there's only you know development mm. uh, plans for about a million um, square meters. So. And their prime, you know, they need, those distribution centres need to be near major arterials as well. So this is one that, re, you know, yeah, revisit something like this just with, with its general makeup. Debt's quite high as well at 45-odd percent. Um, I think you work with Goodman's and uh, CIP. You've got something sort of closer to 30 percent as well. So there, I think that's where the buying opportunity is. Yep. Um, and, but, and as well, you know, Nathan was saying before, the property prices, you know, maybe not go down 40%, but a lot of these are already trading at a 30% discount um, to book, uh, to, to last valuation, which they do do quite regularly. So, you know, the downside's priced into a lot of these, you know, a lot of these already. It doesn't mean that they're um, not going to continue. We're not, you know, absolutely um, full, you know, uh, you know we, we just... Sort of expect with raising rising um, rates, we'll, we'll probably we're just continuing a dollar average with these things over a period of time. But um, all right, I think, so yeah, specifically with GPT, oh, no, I it's um, no, it's a no for me. I yep. think you should definitely switch into something much more industrial focused, more specific. Okay, all right, let's uh, we'll just pick up the pace as we head towards the uh, the end. There, uh, our next one is Alligator Energy. Ollie wanted to know about this. It is in the uranium exploration space. I think it's just announced, in fact, it's uh, using a, a ground gravity survey in uh, its Blackbush deposit at the Samphire project in South Australia. Uh, Mark, of course, we're hearing a lot from governments around the world, given the energy mm. crisis, that perhaps they're going to reopen or begin um, nuclear energy projects. But of course, that's a very long runway. Yeah, it is. And look, Alligator's miles and miles away from producing. Um, look, it, there had been, up until recently, I think beta shares have listed a URNM, which is an ETF, um, 
which actually gives you some exposure to uh, the bigger producers, Kamiko, um, the um, Kazatprom, uh, and then Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, which is about probably 40 to 50% of that ETF. That's where my clients do like uranium um, as a thematic overall. We probably got had we pretty much had the least amount. We've had um, I was worried about rising interest rates. You know, growth stocks. I think Boss Energy will be around about twelve months here in Australia, and then I think Paladins soon after that. But mm. nothing's producing, and it's not really the environment to be holding stocks on a promise. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're sort of reflecting that view. We've. Yeah, we believe in the nuclear um, thematic overall, uh, but you know, with the obviously that ETF now, which I think listed in July. Uh, but as far as alligator goes, it's a, at the moment you're in. It, there could be great upside in it, but it's going to be a wild ride. It'd be a small allocation at best. I do like just it. too early. Yeah, I, I think it's just too early. I think yeah. I think you know, it, it'd be a very small allocation if you wanted to be. I think they do have operations in the US as well which probably gives this a little bit of a tick, but you'll get better opportunities. I mean, this thing was trading, you know, three and a half cents not that long ago, mm. like, you know, probably less than a month ago. So I, I don't think you can be buying it up here. Okay. Um, if you want uranium exposure, like I said, while the market conditions are turbulent and the VIX is up here at 30, I think you yeah, just go with the broader uranium uh, ETF. ETF. Right, okay, that's a no. Nathan? Yeah, look, we like the uranium thematic. We originally played it through Silex, uh, which is uranium enrichment technology and chip technology. Uh, you get two ponies, and that, I think ran from about $1.40 to $4. Um, and then we looked at uh, uh, numerous players, and the one that I, actually, one of the ones I pushed into for the uh, fantasy portfolio was uh, Boss Energy. Um, and that's um, started to climb as well. Now that's actually being moved into the uh, top 300 uh, index as well. So uh, another kicker for this uranium sector. I think the uranium sector is getting a lot more support with more and more countries um, expanding their uranium or looking at uranium. So that's playing into it. Um, and with obviously with uh, geopolitics playing out, uh, they are investing into it. So the sector is playing. Um, the only thing, there are a few flags that always worry me. Like for example, when you've got multi-billions of shares uh, and Alligator has that, um, and so these are very small uh, prices. They can move, they can be quite volatile. So uranium as it is, is an early stage energy play. So the volatility is going to be high and you're going to get even higher. Mm -hmm. So it depends on your risk return. Um, and I think, it, look, they've got plenty of cash um, and they're moving in the right direction. Uh, the sector is very early. So in theory, uh, if you're willing to take the high risk, I think it's okay. But if you're looking for a lesser risk, um, uh, I would look at someone like Boss Energy, which is quite well funded and further down the line in the, the whole process. Right. But again, this is a long-term play. So you've got to be willing to take high risk if you want to invest in uranium sites. So what a specky buy. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a specky buy. Okay. All right. Let's round it out with car sales. Nick wanted to know about this. It is the online auto classifieds. Um, there it's, uh, in fact, going ex-div uh, tomorrow, I think. Um, and it uh, has a has seen a surge in, in advertising. Um, everyone's seeming to want a car, even though they're so expensive, particularly the used variety. Nathan, uh, what's your take on car sales? Yeah, the the old techs, the uh, real estate .com, car sales, Seek. Uh, they've actually, you know, two out of three have done well. Seek's been uh, under pressure because of what's happening in emerging markets. Um, car sales, look, the used car prices are coming off. Uh, people are doing a lot more on their cars. Um, it should hold up. Um, I think real estate is probably the best out of the three. 
Um, car sales are probably number two. Um, I would not be chasing it here, uh, but in saying that, all the, we like the media sector, all the media stocks have done, reported well and they're doing well, and more or less these guys are media play as well. So in that context, they should do better. Uh, but the where I am is where we see uh, discretionary spending and car tends to play into that, um, is probably going to struggle. So if I had to pick out of the old text, despite the property problems, realestate.com is such a good model. Right. Uh, I prefer that. Yep. Uh, but if you're, if you're in it and you've had the bounce, uh, it's okay. Uh, you can hold it. It's well-run global business and they should do okay. All right. But I think the state will do better. It is a hold. Mark? Yeah, hold for me as well. Uh, it's fairly mid-range. Uh, well-run business expanding quite nicely. Uh, I think they've got they've probably got tailwinds for at least the next sort of six months. Um, I think there's a survey done. With, you know, fifty odd percent of Australian adults will probably purchase a car before uh, 2024. So, I, I you know I I would probably buy dips on this if I if you're holding it, you just continue to hold it um, yep. and probably just have a look at it maybe. So towards the, you know, if there's if there's a sell-off sometime time in the next, you know, two to three months, maybe in the high teens as well. But um, yeah, it's not really a space for playing in necessarily at the moment. Nine Entertainment's probably my pick here. I think it's quite cheap and uh, yep. has a bit of that exposure as well. All right, so let's summarise the second half of the show. Uh, Westpac there, no, it's a sell from both as far as the bank is concerned. NRW Holdings uh, hold perhaps a trim. Uh, from Mark, a hold there from Mathan. GPT Group, no from both. Uh, Alligator Energy in the uranium space, no from Mark. A specky buy, perhaps, one to take a look at as far as Mathan's concerned, although he prefers Boss. Uh, and finally, their car sales, a hold from both, maybe buying some dips there from Mark. All right, so thanks to our guests. Mark, thanks for joining us from Macro. No problems. And Mathan from Deep Data Analytics, thanks again. Yeah. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email to call it ausbiz.com.au. You can tweet us at TV, and you can find those stocks in the calls portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Thanks for watching. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.